0: My name is Ben McCormick. Um, I'm one of the youth leaders here. Um, You may have also seen me in the cage behind me. Um, I have banged around the drums in there for a while now. Um, But I have the honor of being able to speak this morning. And um, I've got lots of scripture to to share with you. So if you've got your Bibles handy, if you've got them on your phone, um, we're going to turn straight to Romans 6. Um, Before I get into today's uh, subject um, I want to just kind of do a little bit of a reminder. I want to paint the picture that we are in relationship with Jesus, that we are, being, we are a new creation, we've been empowered, and we're on this journey with him. So if you want to turn to Romans 6, we're going to start um, verse 4. Um, <clears throat> so, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism... And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may have new lives. Everyone say new lives. lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we are also raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that the sin might lose its power on our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Everyone say "We we are no longer slaves to sin. when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we will now also live with him. Everyone say, live with him. In Colossians chapter 1, it also talks about how we were in one kingdom of darkness bound by sin. And how we are now in a kingdom of life. A kingdom of the dear son. We have been transferred from one to another. And to summarize that we have a new creation life. We were once dead and we are now alive. By the Amazing Grace, that song wrecked me. That's it. <laughs> um, the new creation life, and we have been transferred. So one of the challenges that we have as a believer, well, probably one of the many challenges we have as a believer, is that we have to live with our desires and our stuff. Our materialism, our, the things we live with, our, our, you know the stuff we own, and relationships we have, jobs we have. Um, and what I want to do today is, you know, my, my experience with, um, you know, material objects, with owning things is actually, I'm, I'm kind of lacking. I pretty much only own a car. I still live with mum and dad. They still pay for everything. Um, you know, so, <laughs> thanks, mum and dad. Um, so, I don't really want to talk from a place where I will relate to you, but I actually want to go deeper I don't want to talk about the tip of the iceberg. I want to look at what's underneath. I actually want to look at the heart issue behind our stuff and our desires. So we're going to go through our stuff, and we're going to go through our desires, and then we're going to get delivered, amen? <laughs> All right, um, turn, to me, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, please. Who's going to get there first? <clears throat> So we're just going to hold that open for now. I'm gonna, we're going to read it in a moment. I want to do, um, so I, like I said, I'm a youth leader. I do this quite a lot upstairs with the, with the youth. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask you all to stand. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different. If you are the ages 15 to 20, could you stand please? 15 to 20. All right, we've got some in the room. All right, I'm sorry to do this to you. Could you just shout out? Something that is valuable to you. Something that is like your stuff. I know it's it's in front of everybody. I'm sorry to do this, guys. Come on. Clothes. That's one. Anything else? One more thing. Your laptop. I can agree. Laptop. Yeah. One more. Just one more. And then I'll let you sit down. Phone. Phone. All right. Round of applause. Round of applause for them. Um, If you are... Uh, age 20 to 30, could you stand, please? I don't mean to expose any of you. Thank you. Um, what's, what's some of the things in your life that say is valuable to you? My house. Your house. My car. Car. My job. Your job. Yeah. One more. Family. Family. Good one. Good one. Thank you. Thank um, you. 30 to 45. I know. Dad, I know you want to stand up. Um, (laughs) um, What's some of the things that that is valuable to you? My kids. Your kids. Your cats. (laughs) Pets. Your husband. Go on, Dave. What's that? Wife? <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. You can take a seat. Thank you. Um, oh no. <laughs> I'm scared to do the next one. Um, uh, should we just say 45 and up? Let's just do that. Let's just do that. 45 and up. Um. <laughs> what's, what's some of the stuff in your life that's valuable? Family, friends, house, house. My church, church. Oh my, my dog. I love dash two, mum. He's the best. Any anyone else? Garden. garden. I heard life. Journey, life, journey of life. It's beautiful. Love my that. And Peace and quiet. <laughs> Grand Grandkids. Yes. All right, one more. Pension. Pension. Pension house. All right, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> uh, Uh, that was fun. Um, I want to pose a question. Do you view those things, all those things that we just mentioned, as a tool or a trophy? And this is what I want to pose to you this morning, that um, there's, a, there's a very big difference, and a lot of us are living with tools, and a lot of us are living with trophies. And um, I want to explain the two, so Tottenham fans, listen up, this is what a trophy is. <coughs> um <laughs> Go on, snow. Um <laughs> A trophy is something that is precious to us. A trophy is something that is very hard to let go of, and often when when we're striving towards it, we can tunnel vision, and we can and we strive towards it, and it becomes our utmost goal. In this context, especially, but a tool in and of itself is—it's oh, just a tool. It's just a, a pen, an adjustable spanner. But with a project in mind, with a task at hand, it's invaluable. And um, I believe that God this morning is actually calling us to have tools rather than trophies with our stuff. And um, that he actually wants to use these things to display his heart, his nature to the world. And um, this is actually quite biblical. When you look at um, the, the parable of the talons, you have, a, you have a master who's going on a big business trip, and he's got three of his servants, and he gives uh, one servant five of five bags of big, uh, big bags of silver. And he has, so he gives one, one servant five, he gives the other two, and he gives the other one one. And the first two, they viewed this as a tool, and they doubled with what they started with. Well done, good and faithful servant. But the see, the, the one that only had one, he viewed it as a trophy and he kept it secret and he kept it precious and hidden and, and, and left it so that it was safe. When, and it, what ended up happening is that servant ended up getting cast aside. But the point is, is that Jesus can see the heart behind. He's like this master. But see, I, I would actually argue that the master saw in that final servant, the one with one bag, he actually saw capability of him being able to double it. Don't you find that interesting? But something was twisted. But actually, he, he see a good master, a good father, because when Jesus was telling this parable, this is how this is what the kingdom looks like. A good father looks at a servant and actually sees within him the capability of him being responsible with what he's been given. So are we still at um, Mark chapter ten. We're going to start with uh, verse seventeen. Anyone want to read it out? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, So we'll read. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, Jesus replied, why do, you, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you have to know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother, especially that last one. Um, <laughs> Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still, sorry, everyone say genuine love. love. That was close. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. Everyone say face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them, and Jesus began to say, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter, of course, began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times more. Sorry, I've lost it. A hundred times more as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property. You see, in this story, we see Jesus, he could have come across quite cruel, quite mean. Why make him sell all his possessions? And I'll tell you this, he wasn't telling him to sell all his possessions and then give the money to the poor for the sake of it. He wanted to reveal the man's heart. And in order for him to get to the man's heart, there was something he had to do. So you see, sometimes God makes us go through external shifts to have internal work on our hearts. That could be going to a new school, getting a new job, making new friends, coming away from old friends, going to therapy. Any, anything, anything at all, an external shift. And I also want to highlight that his face fell. His heart revealed he viewed them as trophies. These are my possessions. These are precious to me, and I don't want to lose them. But you see... Jesus wanted his stuff to be tools. And one of, the, one of the most amazing things in this passage is that Jesus actually reveals how to have a trophy and make it into a tool. If you look with me at verse 29 to 30, it says, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now In return, a hundred times more as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Jesus calls us to lay things down at His feet. He calls us to lay things down at His feet. So, let's say, for example, that this was my wallet. It's my phone, but let's say it's my wallet, and and I wanted to, and I laid this down. It was full of money. So I lay it down, and I laid down what could have hurt me. And Jesus sees that. See, I lay it down and he goes, He goes with full authority, because I've given it over to him. He has the space to now work on my heart. And what he does is says, Right, you've shown me that you can give this up. I'm gonna give it back to you a hundred times more. So now you know how to cope with it. So this is I'm trying to remember how to say this because a little phrase. Um, you have picked this back up. And now you know how to use it correctly, so you can now follow me correctly. It's, I've, put, I've, I've put it down. It proves this is a, this is a tool. I want to I show you, God, this is everything. And we have this attitude of just abandoning it. And we, we, we put it down, and he gives it straight back a hundred times more and says, you've put this down. Now I'm going to give it back to you because you now know how to use it correctly. what could have been a foothold for the enemy turns into a tool for the kingdom, right? So this is, if you just change the way you perceive your things in this world, the way you handle your things in this world, you give it to the feet of Jesus, this is one of the keys to the abundant life. Because what it does is it's it's not God looking down at us and going, this, this, and this needs to change. He's actually inviting us to a place of intimacy with him. So instead of something that was tying us down to this world, becomes a tool for the kingdom that's eternal and empowers us to bring more of it to us, bring more kingdom, more breakthrough. Everything that was just said in this room, you can lay down, comes back a hundred times more. It's always been about the heart. It's never been about the actual stuff. The actual material. Let's talk about money, because it's a good example. How much money is too much money? You, you can't put a number on it because it's never been about the materialism, it's never been about the money, it's been about the number. How much money is too much money? However, much it takes to misplace your trust in God and your relationship with Him. For some it's like hundreds of pounds, for others, it's billions of pounds. And we're all invited onto this individual journey. Is this something that we, we kind of go with God? Right, I've got, I've got this here. Do I need to lay this down? And we, we kind of find ourselves going through this process on a day-to-day. But in this process, what are your motives? What are your desires? Do your heart's desire link up with God's? If so, how do we change how do we change our desires? And um, I actually found this part uh, difficult because I was trying to think it through and like, look at Scripture. And, and I just kind of felt God speak to me and said, Ben, don't be stupid. I do the work. <laughs> and it was kind of this funny little moment. And I was like, all right, I don't do the changing. Jesus changes us. He changes our hearts, right? And um, I found three ways. There's probably thousands But I found three ways that really spoke to me. And I find that Jesus changes us through total abandonment. Everyone say total abandonment. abandonment. There needs to be a heart position in this process of us going, I may never get this back. And we need to understand that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want a little bit. He doesn't want 50%. He wants everything. And he wants everything for our good. See, it's not an attitude, it's not a mindset, but it's a heart position. A heart position of of saying that I will never get this back. But equally, there's a balance. Because we don't want to not be anticipating good. It would be foolish for us to think that what we sow, we won't reap. It would be foolish for a farmer to plant seed and not have crops grow. And so much so, it's like when we, when we are laying things down at the Father's feet, we must anticipate good. For us to not anticipate good is a slap in the finished work and to say, no, not, not good enough. Not, not not good enough to be true. We have to anticipate good, but it's equally a balance with a heart position of total abandonment. I may never get this back. And I think the parable of the alabaster jar really gets this and um, I actually I'm gonna you don't have to turn with me I know it's uh, Luke chapter 7 I'm gonna read it because it helps me remember (laughs) Um, it's verse 36 one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him so Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet as she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Could you imagine? This woman is going into a room full of judgment. Pharisees are there looking down to her, but she doesn't care. She doesn't care. She's going straight to the Lord's feet and worshipping him and is completely in a heart position of abandonment. She expected nothing in return, yet she still walked out smelling like Jesus. So, That's how we should love Jesus. That's a beautiful example of how we love Jesus. At his feet, we give him everything, lay it down at his feet. Yet she walked out smelling just like Jesus, sins forgiven, faith restored and empowered to bring the kingdom to the world. That's number one. We don't do the changing. Jesus changes us through calling out. Everyone say through calling out. Um, this is like a breath of fresh air for me because we don't do the searching. He calls out what needs to be laid down. You look at you look in Mark ten. Um, I'm going to flip back there. <clears throat> Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done. He told him, "Go and sell all your possessions." He spoke to him. He called out the things in his life that needed to be laid down in order for Jesus to be able to go deeper with him in relationship. He's a kind father, and he wants to reveal his nature. Jesus wasn't trying to guilt trip this man. He wasn't trying to fill him with shame. He wasn't trying to fill him with condemnation. In fact, he was actually showing him, you're worthy, and I want to show you what needs to change I'm going to do all the changing. I'm going to empower this process. All you have to do is be willing. Heart abandoned, totally abandoned, yet expecting good, right? It's, it's just so good. In Mark 10, he says, with love in his eyes, he, had, he felt genuine love and then called out the stuff. It's always in a place of love and relationship. He never points the finger. He never makes you feel shameful with love in his eyes. Finally, <clears throat> um, we don't do the changing. Jesus changes us by redefining our desires. Everybody say redefining our desires. Desiring is a God-given ability. There's in, in, inherently... Nothing wrong with it. If you look at Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Even even the Lord is saying, I I want to give you my heart's desires. Just a thought. Imagine when we're praying, we had a glimpse of his eagerness to answer prayer. It would make us pray a lot more often. His eagerness to answer prayer. If we align ourselves, I'm getting ahead of myself, <clears throat> you see, when we, were, when we were born into this world, we were born with a sinful nature, and that's been changed. If you've given your life and you're in this room, you no longer have a sinful nature. You are a saint. You are saved. You are secure. But you see, when, when we come into this world, our ability to desire has been, in, in the definition of the word, perverted, it's been twisted. And I believe that when we've been made new and we're being transferred from one kingdom to another, God invites us on a journey to start coming back to its original intent. To actually desire the things of God's heart. So when Psalm 37 says, take delight, it actually means, in this context, to align our hearts internally with what God wants for us. And then, and then he will be able to easily. Yeah. So you want to do this? Yep. You need money for this? Yep. You need. You want to do this? You want to meet this sort of person? You want to see this kind of prayer answered? That's fine. You are aligned with my will. You are aligned with my heart. Your desires align up with mine. So this is going to be easy. So God doesn't remove our desires. He redefines them. He doesn't get rid of them. He doesn't think, oh, that's sinful. Oh, that's petty. That's not worth it. He takes us on a journey about trusting him and a deeper relationship with him and goes, you know what, I'm going to turn this and transform it to a hundred times greater. So once our hearts are in the right place, when they're positioned to receive well, when we're anticipating good and we're laying down things in our lives that God is calling us out to do, we become to know Jesus far greater. This is one of the keys to, I have come to give life and life to the full. Will you, are you willing to lay this thing down? I'm not trying to belittle it because it's hard in the moment. Can you imagine how the woman felt putting the alabaster jar on his feet? Something that cost her thousands and thousands of pounds. Okay. I want to go into a little bit of a time to respond. I wanted to have enough time so that we could um, hear what God's saying to our hearts this morning. Um, Sam, could you come up and play some keys? Um, I really felt the Lord's presence on the whole parable of the alabaster jar, and I feel like he's speaking to people this morning about things that is worth putting at his feet. And... Um, as Sam's setting up and as, um, as we're coming to this, this point of response, if we could all close our eyes and start receiving from the Lord. Let's position our hearts with ears to hear, with a heart softened to hear. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You have made it accessible for us to lay things down. That you call us from glory to glory. So if that's you this morning, and you feel God is calling you to lay something down, I invite you just to stand where you are. Everyone's eyes are closed. Let's be respectful to what's going on in the room. So when you're ready, just stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for working in these people's hearts. And when you've found that thing that you wanna lay down at his feet, I just invite you to put your hands out in front of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And in your own way, in your own time, you can hand that over to him. The beautiful thing about when we hand things over to Jesus, it it produces a beautiful fragrance. That every single one of you this morning who stood and has things to put down, you are gonna walk out of here smelling just like Jesus.